Very good. Uh, we are so glad that you are here. Uh, my name is Daniel Kaznave. I'm the pastor here at the Bridge Church. And uh, if you're joining us for the first time, we are in a series called What's Next? What's Next? Um, and we're going to dive into that. We're in the third week and then we're going to uh, continue What's Next. But next week is our five-year anniversary. Five-year anniversary as a church. Yes, that's pretty incredible. We're going to celebrate and we're going to celebrate that a lot. And um, I have invited uh, Dr. Greg Toller, who is the pastor of our sending church. And so he'll be here next week and he is going to preach. He's a great communicator. And I, I just love that you get to meet him because uh, they planted their church a little over 20 years ago, but they had a heart to continue to plant churches. And we're a product of that vision. And so just to see how God started working in him 20, 30 years ago, and then how he mentored and, and raised me up, and then he was willing to send us out and partner with us in our church. So anyway, I'm, I'm excited for you to meet him. I still call him my pastor as well. And so he'll be here with his wife next week. And uh, we invite you, of course, to our five-year celebration. And uh, plan to stay because we're going to have food afterwards too. Okay, uh, we love to eat together and just get to know each other as a church. And so uh, that'll be next week. And uh, but I want to celebrate another aspect with you guys. You know, we've been doing a chair campaign because uh, we're trying to fit more chairs into this space. And it'll also help alleviate uh, these chairs are pretty heavy. So we found some really comfortable, uh, lightweight chairs that will really help with that. And we are looking to raise thirty five hundred dollars. We're at twenty nine hundred dollars. Thank you guys so much. And. And um, it's just pretty cool to see how God's providing through you and through even what we call our family and friends outside of our church. And so uh, thank you so much for that. Today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28. And then uh, we have a pretty nice chunk of Colossians chapter one, Colossians chapter one. So if you have your Bibles, we'd love for you to turn there. Matthew 28 and then Colossians chapter one. Uh, we're going to have it for you on the screens as well. If you're listening online, it'll be on the screens for you as well. But I just want to pray for us and ask God to speak to our hearts here today. And then we're going to jump right in. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for your word. Thank you so much for your truth. God, thank you that uh, we have the opportunity to come here today and to worship you. Yeah, thank you for each and every volunteer. Thank you for uh, each and every person that walked in through these doors, each person that's listening online, God, and uh, just a part of this church and a part of the low country and uh, all over the U.S. God, I just pray that you speak to our hearts. God, I pray that we can, over the next few moments, just take the weight off of our shoulders and place it at your feet. That we will receive your word, receive your truth, God. That you will stoke the fire that is in our soul, God, that you have placed in us. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, as I said before, we're in a series called What's Next because uh, there's different seasons of life. And especially at the beginning of the year, a lot of times we ask this question, what's next? What's next for this year? What's next for this season of life? And uh, when we look in the Bible, we see that the disciples were even asking this question. And Jesus called his disciples in Matthew chapter four. In the first week, we talked about how God has called us to model 
the kingdom of heaven. He said he invited them into this discipleship process. Says, come follow me and I will make you, right, into fishers of men. And see, we see how he is trying to teach them to model the kingdom of heaven. And then we, he goes right into one of the most famous sermons, Sermon on the Mount, which we're going to dive into. That's our next series. And um, he, he begins to teach them what are the ways of the kingdom? What are the ways of the kingdom of God, right? And then at the very end of the Beatitudes, he says, I want you to be salt and light, salt and light. And he calls us, he said, I want you to not only model, but I want you to begin to mentor. And then this week, I kind of want us to look at the disciples, look at the life of Jesus. And Jesus goes, not only am I calling you to mentor, but I want to see the, the kingdom multiplied. I want to see the world turned upside down for Jesus Christ. And how do we see this multiplication effect that not only happens in our generation, but in generations to come, multiple generations, how God can use one person to multiply what God is doing in the kingdom. And so uh, we're going to see that and we're going to look here. Uh, We're actually going to move a little bit and move towards the end of the book of Matthew because Jesus invited them onto this journey. And then Jesus gets ready. He dies on the cross. He comes back to life. That catches some people's attention, right? When you come back to life and you appear to the disciples. And then Corinthians tells us to over 500 people, right? And then he says he spends about 40 days with his followers teaching them about the kingdom of God. Teaching them. And so he is walking them through this process. But then he's getting ready to go back to heaven. And he says in John chapter 14 and 16. He says I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to send the advocate. The Holy Spirit who's going to live in you. So that you can still walk in my ways. And still going to guide you. My presence will still be with you. But he gives them a set of instructions. And this is a set of instructions. All, all my uh, uh, parents in the house. Or maybe you're a spouse. Or you have a friend. And if you want have something that's really important that you want to tell someone, right? And right before you leave, you're going to turn around and remind them of that really important thing, like, right? Like, hey, don't forget to turn the stove off. Hey, don't forget. Now, I tell my kids, like, hey, don't forget you need to do this, right? Or you're getting ready to head off into school. Hey, don't forget. And you remind them of that really important thing, kind of the main thing. You don't have a full paragraph. And that's what Jesus does with his disciples. He says, I am going back to heaven. And in fact, it's better that I go because I'm going to be sending the Holy Spirit to you. And if I'm the disciples, I'm asking this question, Jesus, whoa, whoa, whoa. we've been following you physically for three years. You've been telling, talking to us face to face and now you're leaving. What's next? How are we going to operate? What, What are you, what are we supposed to do? And Jesus answers this question, not only for them, But he answers it for you and I. He says, this is a culmination of all of the teaching that I have given you. And I want you to do this. Remember this. This main thing. This big thing as my follower in Christ. I want you to experience this. And he begins to teach them. And the the big thing is, is right when Jesus starts to teach and tell them this main thing, which we call the Great Commission. He lays out this belief system about himself. And it's so important because what we believe will drive what we do, right? Like what we believe will drive what we do. Our belief system gets into the driver's seat of our lives and pushes things forward, right? Because we may can experience this in the positive and in the negative, right? In the negative, if I believe I can't learn, 
then it's going to drive some of my actions, right? I'm not going to go to school. I'm not going to give everything that I have because I believe I can't learn. I'm not smart enough, right? Or I believe, oh, I I just can't uh, walk into this new year, new year resolutions. A lot of times we reevaluate our health, right? I want to exercise or on a walk or I want to do this. But if we believe, I just can't do that. That's not who I am, right? It's going to start to drive my actions of what I do every single day. But if I believe I can learn, If I believe that God wants to do something in me, if I truly believe that, it's going to start to change the way I act. It's going to start to change the way I talk, the way I interact with people every single day of my life, right? But it it goes back to what do I believe? And when do I believe it enough to where it starts to change my actions, to change the way I think, change the way that I talk. And so we get here in Matthew chapter 28, and right before Jesus leaves, he kind of pulls everybody together and he goes, I want you to lean in. I want you to listen to this. And he tells them this here. This is this big belief system about Jesus here in Matthew 28, verse 18. Everybody still good? Okay. Very good. Matthew 28, verse 18, it says this Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven. And on earth, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I love that right there. You notice that the the name is not plural. He uses name and then he goes into three different names, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because we see the Trinity represented here. It's one God represented in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says this. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. He he says, I want you to lean. I want you to experience this. And he starts this off with a belief. He's saying, I want you to understand that all authority has been given to me. And then he says, not only in heaven... But also in earth, on earth, right? Like I have authority over all of that. And I began to pray as I saw that and going, God, what, how do we define that? How can we um, really picture this, right? Or have that vision of who God is and what authority he truly has, right? And so we get in Colossians chapter 1. And this is a, a few verses here. So I want you to lean in and listen to this, okay? I could, th- this is some pretty powerful pieces of scripture here in verse 15. It talks about the authority and the supremacy of Jesus. It says this in verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds All creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood. 
on the cross. Wow. Amen. Right? Like I could just stop right there. Let's go home. Like that's enough there. Like to get this picture. He is supreme over all. He holds the whole world in his hands. And everything was created in him. If you and I believe that. I hope we start off right there. Because everything else I'm about to talk about. Gives us that fire. If we believe this. Right? The authority. That Jesus has. He is saying everything is under me. Every earthly system. Every thought process. Every person. Not only in heaven and the heavenly realms. Angels and demons. Right. But also on the earthly realm. Every political system that comes in. Every country. He's saying I am supreme over all. And I have authority over all. And that same authority. Right. He goes I'm going To allow you to be my ambassadors for Christ. For the kingdom of God. That same authority that I have. I want to give you. So that when you say in Jesus name. The authority that you are walking in. The authority that you're. The the authority that you're praying in. And that you're living your life in. It's that same authority. Right? It's that same authority that we experience. And um I was reminded of this because uh, my brother-in-law, he works for, or used to work for in Atlanta. Uh, it's not called the Dome anymore. It used to be called well, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, right? And uh, we would go to Atlanta United game or some kind of event there. And he would say, hey, because I work there, I, can, I, I can't get you a ticket. Like, you gotta, you got to purchase your own ticket. But if you can get in the building, I can get you a better seat. Or maybe I can get you into the suite. Or I can get you a, a parking pass, right? And so I remember for me, I, I, I'm excited about this. I'm like, okay, I got my ticket. I'm ready to go. And you pull up and you kind of pass all the, you see the parking places, $20, $30. Like, ooh, I'm saving money. Here we go. Here we go, right? And I pull up and they go, okay, hey, can I see your ticket? And they look and they see the ticket and the ticket is in my name. And they go, oh, sorry. Uh, this is for, you know, private party. And I go, oh, oh, wait, wait. And then I tell them my brother-in-law's name. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they let me in, right? And then as, as soon as I get in and I walk into the stadium, uh, I'm, I'm looking at my seat. And, of course, my seat's like way up in the nosebleed section. Right? I'm sitting at the top. I can't hardly see anything. And then I go to the section that he can get me in, right? And then I walk in. I'm like, oh, um, here's my ticket. But also, uh, here's what he sent me. And it's got his name on there and his credentials, right? And they're like, oh, here you go, sir, right? And, like, lets me on through. I'm like, ooh, this is nice, right? And I love that because it reminded me that's the authority that you and I have this I, we piggyback off the authority of Jesus Christ it's not my name it's Jesus name right and we stand in his shadow and when we go into the world right I remember in Acts chapter 19 this is not my notes this is free but Acts chapter 19 and we see a picture where the disciples walk up and they get to this demon possessed person and they walk up and they start to pray over this person right And the demon looks up and goes, Paul, I know. And Jesus, I know. But you, I don't know, right? Like you, I don't know. Like I know Paul and I know Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, you and I, knowing Jesus is enough, right? Like he has full authority. And we end our prayers in Jesus' name, right? In Jesus' name, I'm going to work today. In Jesus' name, that's the authority. I have authorization to the kingdom of heaven in my everyday life, not because of my name, but because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And if we believe that, if we truly believe that, we put that belief system into our driver's seat, it changes the way that we act. 
it changes the way that I think, right? Because now I may be facing a situation or facing my own insecurities. And that belief in that insecurities will hold me back. But yet if I believe that Jesus has full authority and that authority has called me and invited me into a relationship with him, I'm like, oh, I'm not doing this in my name. I'm doing this in Jesus's name. He's the one that gives me power. He's the one that gives me strength. He's the one that that guides me along in this incredible process. Right. He says all authority has been given to me. He reminds them of this and he goes now because of all of this authority, I want you to do this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And if we were to read that in the English, we would think the direct verb there that God is calling us to do is to go. Right. Like we would think that's the direct command. But the only direct command in the original language is make disciples. The rest of them are are, uh, the means by which God has called us to make disciples. And he says that one direct command that he's called you and I to do, he says, I want you to make disciples. Everything that I have poured into you, now I want you to pour it into someone else. I want you to, to invest that information of modeling the kingdom, the light of the world, the salt of the earth, and everything that I have taught you. Now I want you to go and make disciples. Anybody in here love to eat? I love to eat. Yes, right? Um, We've been doing 21 days of prayer and fasting, so there may be some of us in the room that are like, oh, yeah, like, here we go. Don't be talking about food. And uh, I'm not the best cook in the house, but I know like two or three things. Since moving to the low country, I've added low country boil. I'm kind of excited about it. But, um, but if you truly look at someone who can cook, right, who is just really good in the kitchen, when you walk in and experience them cooking, what does the kitchen look like? You're like, how's it getting anything done, right? Because there's powder on the counter. There's like, like bowls that are half empty and half poured out. And because they're cooking, right? They're like, well, I'm getting into this thing, right? There may be stuff on the side and sauce right here. And I got stuff on my hands and stuff on my shirt, right? Like it is a messy process. And when I think about make disciples, a lot of times you and I think that same picture of going, you know what? Ooh, that's messy. I'm not, I, I don't know about that. I, I, I can't do that because guess what? People are messy, right? Well, we're all weird, right? Can we admit that, right? Like we all have our quirks and we all have our shortcomings and sin is still in us and in the world, right? And it leads us astray because anytime you add people to the equation, it gets messy. But God never promises that it will be easy. He says it'll be worth it. He's saying, but this is the call that I've called you to, to walk in relationship with people. And and when you're in that making process of disciples, I love that illustration of cooking and baking because I got stuff on my shoulder from what that person said to me, right? And that was an awkward moment and this happened and all of, right? And it's just a little messy, but yet we see at the end and when you add these special ingredients that God gives us in his word, he begins to do a masterpiece in us and through us. And we look back and go, wow, I can't believe he actually used me to do this, right? He's the one that put all of those ingredients together, their path their shortcomings that what they said and how they live and he turns it into a message and we come out and we present it to the world right just like if uh, we had a waiter come out and they present this great food we are not the cook right we're just presenting what God has done and we're just taking his ingredients and adding those I heard this this week and I thought it was pretty incredible and he said that the Italians 
when they cook in their um, in their timeline for their their process as they're looking at all of the pieces for it, they put time as an ingredient. And I love that, right? Like the time is included as one of the ingredients. And I thought, wow, what a picture, right? For you and I to realize like it takes time to walk with God. And it takes time as we're walking with people, as we're making in this process. You and I know maybe you've been following Christ for a month or maybe you've been following for 30 years. And you look back over time and see how God has worked kind of piece by piece, step by step, faith by faith. And we see how God God begins to make us in this process. He says, I will what? Make you into fishers of men, which is an incredible piece. And then he goes in and he says, what are the means by which he has called us to? And he says, I want you to go, right? The first that thing that you and I need to realize when we're called to make disciples, he says, I want you to go, not to just sit back. That's not a passive term, right? And if you look that uh, word up in all the original languages and every language you can look at, guess what it means? Go, right? Like it means go. There's no question there that God has called us to go. And Jesus first modeled this, right? We look in John chapter 1. It says that he came and dwelt among us. Jesus left a perfect heaven. Can you imagine Jesus sitting on the throne? Revelation tells us that there are beings created just to fly around the throne and sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They are worshiping 24-7 around the throne. They are just created for that. Jesus left all of that, humbled himself as a baby. He lived this sent life to be a model and a picture for you and I. But go looks differently for you and for me, right? Because your go may be to move across the living room. Your go may be to let me go and sit in my son's or daughter's bedroom, right? My, your go may be I need to go to the next cubicle at work, right? Or my go may be I need to go and meet my three or four neighbors, right? Or my go may be I'm ready to take this step and join a small group. Or my go may be I've been sitting in a small group and now God's kind of uh, kind of showing me that I need to go and lead a small group, right? And whatever that go may be, the thing about go is it's scary at first because we're leaving what we know. We're leaving what is comfortable and we're stepping out almost into the unknown and we're walking in this process but that go. And I love this picture because it's a playoff time, right? I'm not going to say anything about Georgia because I'm a Georgia fan and I don't want to lose half the people in the room. But um, the thing about football is, is they have this moment where the team comes together and they're in the huddle, right? And when they're in the huddle, they're calling plays and they're getting things right. Hey, you did this last play. You need to do this this way. And they have a certain amount of time. Well, you and I, we don't go to football games or turn it on TV. You're like, Daniel, I don't turn it on anyway. But you're like, you're, you don't turn it on to watch a football game for them to watch them in the huddle, right? Like you're just in the huddle like, oh, that's great. Here we go, right? But when the game actually happens is when they break from the huddle and then now they're facing some opposition, right? They have 11 guys that are in front of them that are ready to take them down and uh, they have an opposite goal in front of them. Well, you and I on Sunday morning in Smogger Town, that's our huddle, right? Like we're in the huddle going, this is what Jesus said. Here's what his word said. Let's encourage you here, right? And then we go, all right, ready? Great. And all of a sudden we head to the line, right? We head to work. We head into our homes. We head into our neighborhoods. And we have an opposition, right, that is right in front of us. We have an adversary, the enemy. He was saying, I don't want the kingdom of heaven to ever go any further. I want it to stay 
put, but if you and I just stay in the huddle, right? God is going, hey, we're going to break this huddle and you're going to go out and you're going to participate in this too. You have a role to play. Not only are you going to participate, right? This is why I love team sports, is that your role matters. You have a spiritual gift that Daniel does not have, right? Like Tim has a gift that Daniel doesn't have. Linda has a gift that I don't have. We have a past that I don't have. Every piece, there is not another one of you on the planet. Can you imagine and think about your life right now, my life right now? And God said, you know what? There's only going to be one Jacob to ever live. And I want him to live right here in 2023, right here and be in the low country, right? Imagine the intentionality that God has with this past. And he says, you know what? If you surrender it to me, I have a future for you. I have a plan that you can be a part of this kingdom process if you will trust me, right? To take that step and to go first into where God has called us to. And then he says this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I love this picture here because he's the next step he calls us as disciples. One, he says, I want you to be baptized, right? Because baptism is such a powerful symbol of who we are in Christ. A baptism, we teach baptism baptism here, we participate in what we call believer's baptism, where once you've given your life to Christ, you've made that decision uh, with Christ, and then you, uh, then you are willing to go out and to make a public confession of faith, right? This public confession of this is my decision in Christ, and now I'm going to be baptized. And here at our church, we usually ask them two questions. Have you surrendered your life to Christ? And they say yes, right? I asked them before this, right? Uh, have you surrendered your life to Christ? Yes. Are you willing to follow him wherever he may lead you? And they say yes. And then we say, we baptize you, my sister or my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they go down into the water. And they're raised back up. That symbolizes my old life is gone and my new life in Christ. And we see this beautiful picture, right? This comp- confession of faith of believers. It's me, just like I, I describe it on my wedding day, right? When I take my wedding ring off, right? I, I, I'm not single now, right? Magically. I, I'm still married, right? But this symbol is an outward expression of my commitment to my wife. And when we have this outward symbol of baptism, this is me going, you know what? I've surrendered my life to Jesus and I want the world to know. I want to know that the old has gone and the new has raised again. We see Jesus model this, not because he was saved, but because he was starting his ministry. And then we see all through the book of Acts, how people gave their lives to Christ and immediately they were baptized. It was their first step of obedience in Christ. It was this declaration because it does something in you in me to make that public declaration. That first step of obedience, it does something in us to go, you know what? Yes, I've given my life to Christ. Now I'm making this public, bold declaration of what Christ has done in me. And we as a church get to come around you and say, hey, you're not in this alone. God is with you. We are with you. We're making this commitment with you. And I can remember on my wedding day, standing there before my family and friends, right? And right before my spouse, my wife, and we made these vows to each other and before God. God. And we made this commitment together and we go back to that commitment. And that's the same thing with baptism. Christ knew as he, when he set this up of going, you will make this public declaration in Christ. And we see this happen over and over again and how that public declaration begins to change us. And it shows us this visible 
and verbal change that has happened inside of our lives. This heart change began to happen. But then it gets into the good part. You guys ready for this? This gets into the good part and the lifelong part. The, okay, I've been baptized. I've given my life to Christ. I, I believe God has given me a mission. Now what's next? What do I do next, right? And Jesus goes on and he continues and he says what? He said, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them. To obey everything that I have commanded you. He, put these, he puts these two things together. Teach and obey, right? Because anytime we learn something, do we truly learn it until we act it out? And another way to say this is, is that my heart transformation leads to life transformation, right? Like if I'm truly transformed in my heart, my life is going to change. The decisions that I make are going to change. And we see this transformation begin to happen inside of your life and inside of my life, this heart transformation, teach and obey. And uh, I, I love this illustration because if I were to tell my kids, hey, um, today I want you to go clean your room. I want you to get it spotless. I want you to get it clean. My kids' room's clean all the time, so don't worry about it, guys. I'm just kidding. Um, but it's like, I need you to go clean your room. And they go upstairs, and it's like 30 minutes goes by. An hour goes by, and I can hear them up there. I'm like, ooh, they're working. They're doing good, right? Ooh, they're even excited about it. And I go upstairs, and when I walk into their room, imagine they look to me and goes, you know what, Dad? You know what we did? We wrote down everything that you said. In fact, we did a word study on what you said, clean your room. We looked up the original language of what clean was, and it was awesome, Dad. We look, Gab, we wrote worship songs. We sat in a circle and we said, clean your room, clean, right? Uh, we were saying, this was awesome, Dad. Like, this is amazing. And I'm looking around, their room is a mess. I'm like, but did you actually do what I told you to do, right? Like sometimes I feel that way in my own life, right? And God is going, I want you to get the clarity here, right? Like all of those things are incredible. We worship God, but he said he pulls us together with this command. And he's saying, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, right? He's called his disciples with a mission in mind, with a goal in mind. He's saying, I am going to make you into fishers, of men. Every step of this process, the disciples knew it's going to be my turn soon. It's going to be my turn to make disciples soon. Every step of the way, Jesus constantly led them to, okay, you've learned this. Now I'm going to send you out two by two. You're going to pray for people. You're going to teach people. You're going to guide people. And then they came back and Jesus was like, tell me how this went. Tell me how it went. And he begins to teach them all the way along this process. And you and I are invited into this too. But my goal as a pastor is to look at scripture and go, the initial call comes with the mission in front of us as well, right? It was going, not only do we receive this from God, but he's also calling us to do this. And it's that twofold response that I'm teaching them to obey all the commands that I've given us. But it has to start with us first, right? Because I think we've all had a person or someone in our lives where they led without modeling it first, right? And then we step back and go, I'm not sure you understand this process, right? I'm not sure. Like, and when we look in Scripture, God calls that being hypocritical, right? When we say something and yet we don't follow it with our own lives, but it becomes an overflow process for us to model that. And as that is an overflow, then we walk alongside people along that process each and every step. And then this is the best part right here. He says, gives us this reminder and this promise. He's saying, you are going to go out. You're going to do this. And you're like, me? God's like, yes. And here's the biggest key for you and I. And he says, I 
will be with you even until the end of the age. He is saying, even to the end of the age, I will be with you. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. We read John 14, 16. It says that God's going to remind us of the truth that we have read in God's word and God's truth. And we have this Romans 8, 11. It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit. Living within you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and lives in me. And when we go, whatever that go means for us, that same spirit goes with us. You are not going alone. He is walking with you and he will shape us and mold us and give us those things in our minds and hearts. The seeds that we have planted inside of our hearts. And God has has shown us this, that this is the call of every Christian. That that he has called all of us. This great commission that we talked about here is the call for every single person that has come come to know Christ and ready to walk into this mission. If you're taking notes, making disciples is every Christian's calling. And then God's plan to multiply, to change the world is right here. I love that because we don't have to guess. We don't have to second guess. What is our church's strategy? What do we need to do? What is new and fresh in 2023, right? What's new and fresh is that Jesus wants to change the world through you by making disciples, by living out his word, by living out his truth, by you and I sharing our story in Christ. I want to read this last piece of scripture, Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going to get ready to close. And he says this. This is a great conversation between Jesus and Peter. He says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or the one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered him, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. No, I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. I'm telling you today, church, I still believe that statement. He's not talking about Peter specifically. He's talking about the declaration of who Jesus is is that belief that we talked about the authority of Jesus he's saying if you will build my church if you will build your life off that authority the gates of hell will not prevail right we saw COVID happen all kinds of things begin to happen but it will not stop the church because it was never built on that it was built on the name of Jesus and the body of Christ the church believing this message of going God can use me too God can, no matter my background, but if I surrender my life to Christ and I walk in his ways, God can use me too. And this week I was reminded of this in a pretty powerful way. There was somebody who started attending our church about four years ago. And uh, before that, uh, she was never really, uh, she was involved in church, kind of hit or miss and began to learn a little bit more about Christ, to learn more, a little bit more about God, kind of uh, step at one step at a time. Well, she texted me about, uh, earlier this week and said, hey, can I meet with you and your wife? God really did something pretty incredible uh, this week. Can I meet with you? And so we said, sure. And 
she came over and sat on my couch. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, as a pastor, if somebody texts you something, you know, I mean, it could be, it could be anything, right? Like, and, and so as we're sitting there on our couch in our living room, she begins to share this story, and she's fighting back these tears of this story. And she says, I have a friend. She's been my friend for about 40 years. And she just, she never really wanted to have anything to do with God. And I just found out that she went into the hospital, and they're not sure she's going to make it too much longer. And so she said, when I got the news, I was doing something and I just, something in me, something in me told me I need to get up and go now. And so she literally, she said, I dropped everything. I grabbed a bag. She just kept talking about her hair. Like my hair's a little mess. And I just got my car and I drove to Atlanta and I drove to the hospital. And when she got to the hospital with her friend, she realized the doctor said, Hey, actually she's in ICU. So she was able to go back, and the, the family had put her on the list. And she goes back, and when she first got in there, she was just kind of laying down, very unresponsive. And, and so uh, she began to talk to her friend, and she was wearing these earrings that were a cross. And the cross had the word faith written across the earrings. And so she leaned into her friend, and her friend started to come awake and started to talk to her a minute. And she began to look, and she looked at her cross necklace, and she looked at her cross earrings. And her friend started to ask her, she said, oh, I see that you've been going to church again and started asking her questions about God. And, and so she and then she began her friend began to share like, I, I, I have never followed God. I, I don't even know if I can. And she said, no, everybody needs God. Right. She told everybody needs God. These these earrings that I have, this is the faith. This is this is what God is. And and you need a relationship with God. And she asked her outright. She said, do you want a relationship with God and her friend said yes and so she ran and got the chaplain and the chaplain came in and began to walk her friend through this process of what it looks like to give your life to Christ and so she began and then the chaplain prayed over her and she was cut didn't really didn't know what to do this never really happened to her before and so she ran to the uh, gift store and she it was closed because she wanted to buy her friend a cross right because this is probably some of her last moments and she ran back into the gift store and it was locked and the lady just happened to come to the gift store to unlock the gift store, right? And she, she kind of told her the story. She was, she was like, I need to get her this. So she bought her the cross and went back and began to talk to, with her friend and, and put the cross in her hand and began to uh, walk with her in that. But as she sat in my living room, she said, but Daniel, I'm not good. Like, I'm trying to figure out how God used me to do that. And I just looked at her. I was like, now you know how I feel, right? Like, like I, I, I know. Like, it's when God, it's God. It's his authority. It's his name. It's not your name. It's not my name. That's the amazing beauty of who Jesus is, right? And on 97 years old, you are never too far gone for the grace of God, right? And God working behind the details and the goodness of who he is. The Holy Spirit said, you need to get to the hospital now right and you need to go out and you need to be bold and walking in you never know how God is going to use us today I will probably never meet this lady but I'm telling you there will be one day we will meet in heaven right because not because of who she is or who her friend is but because of who Jesus is and what he did on the cross and he will save every person who places their faith in him that's his strength that's his beauty and that's his authority and God can use you the same way, not only to lead people to Christ, but also to teach them how to obey the ways of the kingdom. 
And God will continue to use us for his glory. And when situations like that, I was just this week. Like, I can't imagine what God is going to do through you and through our church in the years to come, right? Like, next week is our five-year anniversary. We're just getting started, right? Like, we just got the foundation laid, right, for God to continue to use us for his glory. And I believe my prayer has always been, God, I want to see more people saved Monday through Saturday than on Sunday, right? Because we're in the huddle. And then now, ready? Break. And we're going out into the world being salt and light just like that with the authority of Jesus walking in front of us as we walk in his shadow and we just continue to surrender every day to him no matter our age background how much money we have what our race is right God can use every single person that we're willing to place our faith in him so I just want to pray for us as a church and I still believe that I still believe it a hundred with every ounce and fiber of my being, right? I believe that God can use every single person, but it takes you and I, right? Like God, he didn't want to create robots or just have a still image. No, he wanted to have people in a real live relationship. And he's given us a piece of that responsibility, right? To draw near to God, to take those steps in him and for him. And so I just want to pray for us as a church. And, and when I get done praying, we're going to take communion together. And communion is always a beautiful picture of the gospel, of just what we shared, right? Of who Jesus is. And that's a beautiful reminder. So I just want to pray for us right now. And I would like to encourage you, no matter where you're at today and right before I pray, maybe you're sitting here saying, you know what, Daniel? I've never been baptized. I've given my life to Christ before, but I've never taken that public declaration of faith in him. Or maybe you were baptized as an infant and you're saying, you know what? I want to be baptized because I'm making this declaration in Christ, right? Because now I have done that, but now I want to make this declaration as an adult. Or maybe you've given your life to Christ, but you're saying, you know what? I've never taken that step. And God does something in us when we take that step of obedience, when you see those opportunities. And if you have a Connect card, you can, of course, talk to me any week. But that Connect card, you can just write on there. I want more information about baptism or whatever that may look like and uh, right there before you. Or if you've never given your life to Christ. But here's what I encourage you, because I know when you hear a message like that, it's almost like you're asking the question again. Okay, well, what's next, right? Like, what's next? And so I would encourage each and every one of us. Uh, we've already been talking about and we need to start to learn to receive that truth, Right. But begin to take that steps. And I would say start with who is close to you right now. If you're a parent, you can start with your kids, right? And all God requires or asks us to do is to empty our cup, right? I receive his word and then I'm going to empty that cup into them. Or it could be a spouse. It could be a friend at work, a coworker, right? But I would start there. Who is around me? Begin to pray, God, who can I begin to teach this to, right? Who can I begin to either share my story or share Christ with? Or maybe they're a believer, but I can still pour into them. I can encourage them as a believer, right? Like start where you are. Start where God has placed people right there next to you. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. God, thank you for... uh, Still moving and working in 2023. Thank you for saving souls, God. God, we stand here in declaration before you saying we still believe that the hope of the world is you, Jesus. And the vehicle that you have chosen is your church, God. 
And I pray that we would be the hands and feet, your body out in this world every single day, God, that you would breathe encouragement and life into us, God, that the Holy Spirit would uh, help us to be bold, to be a light sitting up on a hill. I pray that the Holy Spirit will guide us on what next steps we need to take, God. God, I pray that you help us to walk in those moments, walk in those truths. God, I pray that you would speak to us as a church. I pray that if anybody has never given their life to Christ, God, I pray that today would be the day. I pray that if nobody is, or if they haven't taken that step of baptism, God, I pray that you would stir their heart to take that step today. God, we love you. We praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.